Hi, I'm Dan from Desert Island Dicks. This episode, we've got Shaparat Korsandi. She's brilliant, and I hope you'll enjoy this podcast very much because uh, it was a lot of fun chatting to her and having her discuss who and what she hates and would hate to be stuck with on a desert island. Now, I just want to say thank you to everyone who came to Desert Island Dicks live last week. We had Fern Brady and Stephen K. Amos, and they were both brilliant. Um, so, yeah, we had a lot of fun doing that. It was great to meet some of you as well. Uh, the full shows will be published at some point in the coming weeks but uh it, yeah it was really fun to do and we're going to do more of them so february will be the next one i will confirm all the details as soon as i can on here but their guest is very good so watch this space um i'm really tired and i can't think of what else to say oh yeah look now that we don't have to keep pushing the live shows as much i want to get back to compact dicks so if you've ever listened to this and thought you'd like to have your say on who and what you think is a dick then just tell us go to dickspod.com slash contact and you can tell us there or you can get in touch on Twitter and Instagram at dickspod. Right, I think that's it. On with the show. It's Shaparak Kosandi. Hi, I'm Dan Benedictus and welcome to Desert Island Dicks, the show that sees you marooned on a desert island after a plane crash with the worst people and worst things imaginable. Who they are and why they're a dick is up to our guest and here to share their Desert Island Dicks with us today is comedian and author Shaparat Korsandi. How are you doing? I'm all right, thank you. How are you? Yes, good. Ready to listen to some dicks, I suppose. <laughs> well, I, I live my life pretending that I don't think anyone's a dick. I'm such a big liar. I just always try and see the good in people. So this has been quite a challenge for me because I've, I've, I bottle a lot of how much of a dick I feel people are. I think that's a very useful thing to have in life. Though. I think it's much better than being annoyed by everyone all the time. Yes. And, and also, don't forget, I was on I'm a Celebrity, Get Me Out of Here. <laughs> <laughs> that was... I was thinking about, haven't I already done this live? Yeah, you've got experience of basically this kind of environment, although I suppose now it's dicks of your own choosing rather than dicks yes. that you've been put with or, or, you know, got to know, I suppose, over time. Yes, no, it's interesting because my, my personality is that, like, if someone is really bossy, I just go into a shell. I go into a shell. I'm, I'm, I'm working on it with my therapist and I'm getting better at it but rather than stand my ground I'm like oh have it but on a real desert island um, I have thought long and hard about who I would so not like to be marooned with so whenever you're ready I shall reveal the real me (laughs) okay well yeah I mean now you've set it up like that I'm not going to wait any longer let's hear who's going to be the first person joining you okay the first person joining me is um, a guy I met last night. He was, uh, this is weird. (laughs) This sounds like I've just thought, oh, what should I do? So I met this guy last night. When I say I met him, he was a taxi driver. And within three seconds of getting into his taxi, I learned that his... um, he failed his English GCSEs. His stepson was an alcoholic. Um, he liked reading Andy McNabb books. He liked Mexico as long as you didn't step off for the, the resort. 
He just told me <laughs> so much about his life before I even shut the door. And then once I shut the door and had a half hour journey ahead of me, he told me everything and I love a chat. And so when I would ask him questions, he wouldn't answer them. He would just tell me other stuff that he would need to tell me. And he he talked to me in a way that told me it didn't matter to him if it was me sitting listening or a potato. <laughs> and I think it irked me because I think I'm or at least I used to be like that myself. <laughs> I used to sort of meet new people, get really excited and tell them like quite private things about my life straight away. And I think that's something that comes out of um, shyness a lot of the time. And so I, I just took against this poor cab driver because he reminded me of me. Before, before I had shitloads of therapy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think it's, it's so difficult in those situations because I always start off with really good intentions, but my attention span is quite short like in a taxi, you know, mm. especially now, you know, I've got two kids. Just sitting, traveling with no sound is, is really nice. It's so rare that I can do that, that I'm kind of like, you know, you could, could be my best friend driving me and I'll happily just stare out the window and not talk to anyone. I completely understand that. Um, so since having children, cabs have been a place of peace for me. Children and dog. I have to, I get so much kudos for being a single parent. Oh my God, thanks for doing this. You know, you're really busy with a single parent. It's actually being a dog owner that also takes up an enormous amount of my life. So yeah, cabs are often places where like no one can touch me. <laughs> but that said, you know, in the there's this cab driver I went on a date. I went on a date with once after we had such a lovely chat, and you know, one there was one cab driver I had some years ago who was a Buddhist, and we had the most beautiful, intense conversation, and we, you know, exchanged a few texts, and I swapped numbers, exchanged a few texts. So, I'm I love a chat, a proper exchange of personalities and sharing and thoughts and ideas, mm. but lists of things from your life. Yeah. Why you're moving like it, and it's you know what it is it's the negative when everything they say is negative. I'm not yeah. saying um I just realized I said that he loved uh, reading Andy McNabb novels. I'm not saying reading Andy McNabb is negative. <laughs> but even that he dressed negatively. Like, you know, I um didn't really like reading. I only like reading this and even then I only like reading it when I'm on holiday and that led to Mexico and Mexico being fine on the resort but off the resort, forget about Mexico. Um oh I'm I'm married, I've got a stepson. Oh have you? Oh you've got a this is me. Oh you've got a step yeah, he's an alcoholic. Everything is like, um, oh, have you been driving a cab long? Well, a lot longer than I want to be driving one. But everything's negative, 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 And you can't go anywhere with that. Yeah. You can't go anywhere. You know, when you're talking to someone and everything, and I realize as I'm saying this, what I'm saying is a very negative thing. And that's your fault and the premise of your <laughs> podcast. Yeah, exactly. That, yeah, that's on us. That's on us. We've invited that from that's you. That's on you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So, it, and it just wears you down. And in the end, I just sort of, I don't know what I was pretending to do. I just pretended I was 
had some sort of condition when I went catatonic <laughs> once we got past the Westway. But it's difficult with people like that because it's like, well, I've just met you. Do you want me to sort of, do you want me to help you fix your problems? Do you want me to sort of say, oh, yeah, you know, I understand that can be difficult. Uh, what, what, you know, well, this might help. Yeah. It's such a sort of draining thing and they've got you captive. And he must do that all day long. Yeah, that's really interesting. I did think, do you like this with everybody? What if a couple come on and they've just had a row or or they're snogging? And I'll tell you another thing about where we live. The bin men have gone on strike <laughs> for the third week running. There's nothing I had to listen to, by the way. For the third week running and the council have made no provisions. Now, he doesn't know. When I got into his cab, he doesn't know if my dog had just died. Mm. He has no idea. Maybe in this car journey, I was making the really personal and huge decision of whether or not to get a boob job. He has no idea what was, by the way, I, I was considering that briefly <laughs> in the cab. <laughs> That's what my brain wanted to. Um so, any like I say, like the cab driver, I occasionally blurt out really personal stuff <laughs> inappropriately. So, yeah, he did remind me of me before um, I got a diagnosis for ADHD. <laughs> <laughs> I just think, though, having someone like this on the island, like you'll start off thinking, oh, well, at least we won't be short for conversation. And then after the sort of third time you've gone, God, look at that beautiful sunset. And he's like, well, glad you like it. You're going to be seeing plenty of them. Exactly. Although, although thinking about it, he might be one of those rare people that are brilliant in big doses and no good in small doses. Because some people are like that. There was this one woman I used to find really annoying on the comedy circuit and I found her like impossible to gig with, like so irritating. She'd be right up in your face telling you all about her stuff and never asking about you or how you are. And then I had like a really long car journey with her. This gig was in the middle of nowhere. I thought, oh my God, that's a, like <laughs> a four and a half hour car journey. Do you know what? She was amazing. Absolutely. I just thought you needed to, you just needed to someone to go, you've got the job. You are here. <laughs> you got the job of being here socially. And once you calmed down, we had the most lovely conversations and stayed friends. Did she flip back to being annoying though in small doses? Actually, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. it's just, but it's annoying if you knew there was that good person in there somewhere, but you just need to be there for long enough. Maybe just start having to arrive for gigs earlier if you know she's also on the bill or something. I don't know. Give her time, give her time to settle. Yeah. <laughs> like when you shake a can of Coke. Yeah. Just, just give it time to settle before you open it. I know. I mean, she doesn't, um, she's not really around on the circuit much anymore, but... I think that there are some people that need to calm down. And again, I think the thing that I find most irritating about other people are character traits that I possess mm. myself yeah. and have been made aware of quite brutally sometimes. <laughs> when you see someone behaving in a way that you find really annoying but realise it's a trait of yours and then you've got to feel yeah. annoyed by it but also recognise your own imperfections as well, it's, it's so frustrating. It is. And it, I used to get more bothered by people when I was younger, um, in a way. But I used to engage with it more. I, I used to get dragged into being bothered by people more. And then you get 
older and you you really see um time as being finite (laughs) (laughs) you just you just can't you just can't be bothered you just remove yourself from situations but i can't on a desert island yeah, that's it. I think this is a good first addition to the island because I think it's, you know, when all you need to do is sort of pool your energy and resources, you're going to have this dick just dragging you down constantly, never listening or reciprocating, just yeah. a one directional flow of negative energy. So I think that's a, a, a strong place to start. Who's going to be joining him and you? Oh, I can't stand this guy. <laughs> I have this a visceral hatred for this person and i'm afraid to say it's daddy pig daddy pig oh from pepper pig from pepper pig Mm. so my son who is five years older than my daughter uh was much more about the octonauts than pepper pig this daddy pig character just even his voice just i was like who are you what are you just pointless you're useless you're useless to the family I don't even know what you contribute. What do you bring to the table? So I kind of got off lucky with my son, but then my daughter, five years later, was a Peppa Pig addict. Like it was magical what it did. Like, oh, Peppa Pig, it was everything. And I just thought Daddy Pig, because she doesn't have a father. And I think Daddy Pig was the person that reassured her the most that it was okay not having a father. <laughs> I should be probably grateful to Daddy Pig for doing the lot of the therapy that she won't need later. Um, <laughs> but it's the fact that the whole family have to sort of find his buffoonery and his ineptitude kind of adorable. Oh, Daddy. Oh, you fucked up the day again. Look at you, <laughs> Daddy. And the fact that he always thinks he know the way he speaks is very wise and he thinks he absolutely has the solution to all problems but knows fuck all i mean that is a problem to me and he, i would have to kick him into the sea <laughs> if he, i'm getting angry just talking about him being on a desert island with me um he'd either have to just sit and be eaten or just walk into the sea that's the thing you can't even eat him can't you have like no. delicious roast pig on a fire because it's a cartoon pig so it's like it's not even you can't even yeah yeah i hear a lot of blokes kind of parents you know just sort of moaning about the de- depiction and obviously you know let's not pretend that men have it harder than women when it comes to parenting but a lot of them are just like fucking useless you know and it's like homer simpson's okay because you know it's like there's just such chaos with him but like there isn't the humor with daddy pig he's just a useless prick he he is just a useless prick and i think i think you're right i think the depiction of the dad in a lot of things is someone useless and everyone else has to pick up their their slack um which is you know, like I, I asked my son to sweep the floor the other day and he was, he's 14 and he was sort of sweeping the floor and then stopping for a break and then sweeping it again and just doing it in the whole kind of, oh, if I just do this bad enough, she'll just take over and sweep. And I was like, this is because you've been raised with Homer Simpson. You haven't been given that strong male role model that mucks in because <laughs> cartoons tell us that it's all right for the dad to be a slacker and for the mums to do everything and the dads to do everything. And I was in the middle of this rant 
to my 14-year-old son uh, when my eight-year-old daughter went, wow, mommy, you've got a lot out of him not sweeping very well. (laughs) (laughs) So I do go on my little tirades. um, But yeah, no, I I think Daddy Pig... um, is it would be utterly useless to me on a desert island. I'm not going to humour him like his family do. I would tell him that he's being a real pain and he's actually a burden. Yeah. And he should consider the actual piggy in uh, Lord of the Flies and what happened to him. <laughs> Every day he has to sort of, that's the end point is he has to mess it up. So, you know, you're just going to wait. For, it's like, when is it going to happen today? When's he going to yeah. sort of like lose all the drinking water that we've carefully harvested when it rained you know yeah oh god just waiting for daddy pig's calamity again do you know what i think i'd find the taxi driver and daddy pig quite entertaining i'd feel that they would take the burden off me that i think that the taxi driver would be infinitely more intelligent than daddy pig Hmm. um, and would be utterly exasperated by everything that that swine had to uh, contribute. Hmm. And I think the taxi driver would just, once he'd sort of got exhausted all his stories about Mexico and his alcoholic stepson would actually eventually go, what is actually the point of view and deal (laughs) with him? And I would enjoy it. Yeah. I sort of have a lot of issues with Peppa Pig in general, though. I think there's... Obviously, the way that they've got their weird perspective, so their faces are kind of always looking sideways but Mm. forward at the same time. I hate cartoons where everyone's animals, but then there are also pets in it. Right, yeah. Like in one Peppa Pig, they were talking about vets, and they're like, who knows what a vet does? And it's like, well, to you, it's a doctor, right? You know, you're you're all animals. And they said, oh, they look after pets. And then this animal vet came in that was like a goat or something, and then he brought in like a lizard that was a... So why is that animal a pet? It's like George Orwell. It's like some animals are more equal than others. Oh, do you know what? You've just had added a whole other dimension of horror to my Peppa Pig experience. You're absolutely right. This creepy world where a, where a goat vet is tending to a lizard is a world that I don't want to think about. No. And if he comes to the desert island, maybe that's what happened to me. Where maybe I'll become maybe I'll become Daddy Pig's sex slave. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. This is this is um, putting images in my head that uh, will deprive me of sleep. Okay. For the rest of my life. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Let's try and distract you, Shappy. Who's going to be the third person joining you on the island? Oh, I feel really mean saying this, but um, it's a, a young woman on Twitter <laughs> who, <laughs> who I will track down. She put 20 as in her age and her biog, which I always find really strange when people go... I'm in it's 20 and here's how much I have to say. And again, I think this is echoing what I said earlier about finding bits of my irritating younger self in other people. This young woman, I don't know how I got embroiled in a conversation about um, The Catcher in the Rye, Hmm. which is one of my favorite books. And it's, I know as as my 14 year old son said, it's a bit of a lame favorite book, but I loved it so much when I was younger and I loved Holden Caulfield and his character and his descent into mental illness and his grief about his brother and and the, the relationship that he had with his little sister. Like his little sister was the only person that made sense to him in the world. So when I wrote my novel, Nina's Not Okay, I gave my alcoholic 18-year-old Nina 
a little sister that I that was my homage to um, to that book. Anyway, this young woman and her very opinionated Twitter page had a proper go, a proper laugh at me because I failed to understand that Holden Caulfield was a typical public school educated, privileged cis male and how I could ever regard him as uh, a literary figure to be taken in any way seriously or examined uh, made me an idiot. (laughs) And I'm 48 years old and I should be more compassionate to the lack of empathy that some very young people have when they are absolutely sure that they are changing the world for the better, but not really doing much for anything at all. And I should have been kinder, but I think I ended up saying something like, um, wow, do you have a a problem talking to fat ginger people? Because they remind you of what Henry VIII did, (laughs) which was unfair and cruel of me. And I think having anyone who was constantly looking to pick a hole in what you were saying on a moral basis would drain me and turn me into a piece of seaweed <laughs> to be taken out to sea. I, I would be utterly drained by somebody who um, wanted to tell me their opinions constantly and, and, and not having a laugh. I think especially given the other two characters on the island that you've got, this new person is going to have a lot to say to those two guys in particular. And then you're going to be forced to sort of go, well, you know, I don't want her to just be locked in sort of constant sort of battle with these two idiots over here. But on the other hand, she is fucking annoying. So either way, you're going to have to listen to it. So it's like you're going to be a mediator. Do you know what? I can already hear. So the tax, Taxi driver, I happen to know, was uh, 62. And he was from the East End. And I know the school he went to because my ex-boyfriend, who was around the same age, went to that same school. And I heard all about it. And I knew, I know that uh, area. And I know that school. And I know that geography that these guys were raised in. This girl is a million miles away from that. You know, she's 20, university educated, probably did terribly well at school. And the taxi driver need only say something like, would you like um, another bit of burnt leaf, love? And then she might totally go for him at the use of the word love to address her and not take into consideration any other part of his life journey that was different to hers that brought him to a place where he called a woman love and then she would like and I would say come on is that and then she would go oh my god you are normalizing misogyny and it would be all of that and I would I don't know what I'd do I'd I'd just have to meditate I think to cope with it (laughs) and and I think that's the thing I find the most irritating about people is that when they never ever consider the intent of someone 
Mm. And they never consider that, like, rather than shout and scream, they can they can make a friend. God forbid. Yeah. <laughs> and <laughs> and um, and you know, have a bit of empathy and mm. know that if that person understands that whatever it is they've said or whatever can be taken a different way, they won't want to do that anymore. Mm. <laughs> you know? <laughs> so all of that, I think. And then Daddy Pig, I mean, I don't know. I'm worried that she would take Daddy Pig under her wing because he is entirely inoffensive. And perhaps she'd have him as some sort of weird ally and take it, take it upon herself to, because he's so benign and he's so... Um, I guess probably submissive as well. Mm. And also he's a pig and she would find that really diverse (laughs) and she would be over interested in his pig culture (laughs) to, to the point of being patronizing. And she said, pig, she'd say pig, pig. Am am I, am am I pronouncing that correctly? Or is it, (laughs) is it pike? Um, Yeah. She'd do all that business. The more I do this podcast, the more I just think the only way to live and deal with it would be to sort of try and lose all ego, just yes. forget about anything that happened outside, all politics, all everything, and just try and just be that's a very Buddhist or Zen or whatever, you know. The thing is, just it's going to be impossible not to just pick holes in each other when you're, you know, even if it's the person you love most in the world, like, you're like, God, do you have to peel the coconut that way every time? Yeah. <laughs> you know, so if you've got someone who's also sort of, talking about like the patriarchy within your sort of setting or or sort of yeah all these things it's like it doesn't matter nothing exists anymore yeah we've got this let's just have a nice day yeah absolutely i think ego is the word isn't it you can't there's nothing more um draining than someone who reacts to everything with their ego and they have no idea that's what they're doing Hmm. and i know Dan, because I used to do it all the time. (laughs) When I was 20, I used to lay traps for people. I'd go to a party and I'd be having a nice conversation with someone. And then I would, and so we're bearing in mind, this is the 90s, okay? So we're going back in history a bit. And my cause was the LGBT plus cause, as it was called, the gay cause back then, right? That was my every waking moment was consumed with um, how to tackle homophobia. So I'd go to parties and I, I'd just randomly say, so what do you think that um, same-sex couples should be able to adopt children and have the same rights of adoption as, as um, heterosexual couples? And if that person thought about it or thought there was a debate around this, I would be a nightmare. I would be that woman who had a a go at me about Holden Caulfield. So I think what I'm getting to here, I don't want anyone on that island with me that reminds me of me when I was a dick. (laughs) Yeah, it's hard enough being with yourself in your own head half the time. So without being surrounded by different (laughs) versions, (laughs) you know. Yeah, so I've got the uh, the uh, the versions of me, the oversharing um, cab driver. That is so me. Uh, the I- inept um, <laughs> guy that sort of thinks that they're a bit of a leader, but actually they're just dropping the balls at left, right, and centre. And the um, the ego, the woke ego. 
Yeah. I really have you avoided using the word woke, but there we go. I said it. The woke <laughs> ego are the people that are exist within me, and I really would like to keep them bottled and be on a desert island with people who um, can sing really well to entertain me and can build things and uh, meditate and chant so they can cope with everything. Yeah. Nice. Well, I think yeah, I think for the uh, like internal angst reasons and also the the interplay between these people, I think it's going to be a really messy island. So I think this is this is a, a, a fine selection already. Okay, Shappy. Now, mercifully, amongst the wreckage of the plane, there was some food and drink left over. Unfortunately for you, it's your least favorite food and drink in the world. What are they and why are they so bad? Okay, um my least favourite food in that context would be any kind of meat. I'm not brilliant with meat. I'd rather not eat meat. Um, and meat that had been like washed up from the shore, like a chicken. Or it, When I was on I'm a Celebrity, I was a vegan. And um, part of the reason I, was, I became a vegan eight months before is because I knew I was going to go on I'm a Celebrity. <laughs> and I didn't want to eat any meat. But then when I got there... I felt a bit bashful about the whole thing. I felt like I'd hoodwinked everyone into, oh, like, I'm a vegan, so I can only have like a bit of tofu. I don't have to eat the horrible stuff. So I felt bad. So I did eat some uh, quail and I was sick for an entire day. If I'm eating fish or chicken, anything, if the tiniest bit of bone or sinew comes into my mouth, it's over. The meal's over. I can't eat for a couple of days. I can't have animal bits in my mouth. Mm. It makes me feel very, very sick. So, like, you know, some nice ham I can cope with, something that's been, you know, but I just, I can't, like when yeah, people have soup and it's like chicken soup or something, they've got might contain bones. No, get that away from me. Or <laughs> when you're like, uh, I, I mash uh, tuna up for my kids' pat lunches and every now and then I'll come across a bone. Mm. I'm mashing it and we can't there's no tuna in the house for two months after that I I just can't cope with unexpected animal Mm. stuff Okay, so it's maybe something that's very, you know, full of tiny bones, like, a, I don't know, like a sardine or something like that No good But you can't fillet them No, 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 nothing, nothing like that No, berries, lots of berries, bananas and nuts, it will Mm. do me please <laughs> okay is it more because you know it's, it sort of reminds you that it is a part of an animal sort of or is it just to just annoy it just the texture of it just or just a bit of everything oh i wish i could tell you it was a moral issue <laughs> it's, just, <laughs> it's just gross <laughs> i mean obviously i care about animals but i i never check to see where something comes from um i just don't like the idea that a bit of someone's tooth or beak or balm <laughs> or anything might go into my mouth. I can't really argue with that. <laughs> yeah. There's, Not that I have I, a problem with it, but now I'm thinking, when you're talking about a tooth and a bum, I'm like, yeah, fair enough. Like I, went to, um, <laughs> I went to breakfast with some friends uh, yesterday and I ordered an, a full English breakfast, but with a vegetarian sausage instead of um, a normal sausage. And they're like, oh, you're veggie. And I said, no, I'm not a veggie, but do you like sausage? Shut up, sausage. <laughs> like, do you, no, don't give me that sausage. Like, I wouldn't lick the pavement and I wouldn't eat a sausage. I just, I just can't cope with what, <laughs> 
people eat and what goes on, eyeballs and all. Th- no, it's really bad to put that in your mouth. I, for me, personally, for okay. me. Yeah. And let's not forget, this is coming from an aeroplane as well. So it's going to be particularly low grade stuff as well. Do you, so. know, do you know what I loved about being a vegan? And I got so much like, yes, I mean, the planet, but then I don't, I mean, I, here's where I get moral. I don't buy blueberries that have traveled from Peru. I don't eat fruit that's better traveled than I am. But just the joy of eating something and knowing that in no way are you going to get a bone in the roof of your mouth is immense. It's really <laughs> immense. So I was a vegan purely for non-gagging reasons. <laughs> I wish I hadn't said that word, gagging. But anyway, <laughs> anyway, always a fun word to throw in. I just wish that everyone could see you just talking with your hands, covering your eyes. It's just... <laughs> Okay, and what would you what would you wash it down with? What would your drink choice be? I've decided quite late in life that white wine can fuck off. Right, okay. White wine is anger juice and uh it's only vaguely tolerable if it's really high quality and very, very chilled. Um, much as I love Tim Minchin's song, White Wine in the Sun, it's such a beautiful song. And the first time I heard it, I cried uncontrollably for about an hour. That said, I did think white wine in the sun, white wine in the middle of drinking in the afternoon, regardless of the weather, always leads to disaster. Mm. White wine is headache and Rao juice and to drink it in the sun for me is something I'll never do again and I feel that I'm fine finally in a part of my life where I can say white wine can just fuck off (laughs) not interested and it will be warm as well you know off the boat so completely useless to me I might sort of just empty it out and use the bottles to build a shelter with or a hat or a friend (laughs) but I wouldn't drink it now I'm approaching 40 I'm getting all kinds of weird things disagree with me that never used to you know including things like gluten and beer and all these sort of things that I like and so the other night I went out and I was like I'm not going to drink beer tonight and see what happens Ah, oh, I'm going to drink white wine all night. And, and I felt like someone had hit me in the head with an axe the next day, just all day, like no ibuprofen could touch it. And also in a hot club or something, it's just not, it just gets... <laughs> in a hot club. Yeah, you know, you're chatting for a while and you come back to your drink and you're like, oh, this is just acid in a glass it's, now, you know. That, that's exactly what it feels like, acid in a glass. And I know that wine connoisseurs will tell us that we're not drink, drinking the right white wine. And I'd like to say to them, I have drunk all the white wine, <laughs> all of it. I've drunk all of it. I'm not doing it anymore. Mm. You know, lager is the only booze I crave sometimes. It's the only time where I go, oh, I need a beer. And nothing hits the spot for me when I need calming down than a beer. But that is not the premise of our chat. (laughs) No, unfortunately, no beer for you, Shappy. Just white wine and horrible, bristly meat. (laughs) Do you know, as I'm talking to you right now, I can smell that warm children's party 
white wine. <laughs> you know that they always bring a couple of bottles for the mums and dads who loiter. <laughs> <laughs> and you drink it in plastic cups and you drink it because you're all at a kid's party. You're all having to be friends for the duration of your kid's childhood. And the way you cope with it is getting just a little bit squiffy on whatever is provided. And it's usually white wine. Uh, and I can smell that right now. <laughs> okay, well, I'll distract you. We'll move on to another section because fortunately you won't be without entertainment on the island. The plane's entertainment system continues to work, but just your luck, it only has two working settings. One's your least favourite film of all time and the other is your least favourite song. What are they and why? My least favourite song of all time. Now, I I love music, who doesn't? And normally, if I don't like a song, I deeply respect the fact that these are artists and it's just not my cup of tea. And in fact, with my children, it is very important to me that my children never slag off anyone else's work. You can say, that film's not my cup of tea, that, you know, music's not my cup of tea, but it's not shit. Mm. That said, that song makes me really angry and it was by <laughs> Noah and the Whale. Oh, okay. And Dan, I've had to write it down. L I F E G E R. This is this is why I hate it. <laughs> I can't say it. L I F E G O E S O N. Life goes on. Like it spells. Mm. Life goes on. Right. Yeah. And that, and the chorus was spelling out a sentence. And I'm dyslexic. Yeah, same. And I can't spell out in my head. And life goes on like shut up what a basic lyric and then to spell it out like that only to upset and confuse me and the worst <laughs> thing about it was that it was a smash hit and it was everywhere and people in pubs would sing it l-i-f-e and I, and I can't I couldn't I couldn't join in because I'd get stuck I'd get stuck in the l-i-f-e I can't say e before g and then remember it's O-E-S. And then, oh, just fuck off. I just really upset me that whole period in, in my life when that song uh, was in the charts and was being played everywhere because it was uh, a tongue twister for me and I couldn't do it. Yeah, I'm dyslexic and, and it's really annoying when... I'm trying to talk with my wife in code in front of our kids and you know you're going, oh, should we get the blah 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 and you spell it out really quickly it's going to not work anyway because he's learning to read now so I've got limited time but I just I can't I have to spell it out so slowly he could basically run off find a crayon write it down learn to read and then decipher the code <laughs> like it's just so frustrating that you know I love the fact that just as you were telling me that you had to go when I want to say should we um la 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 blah 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 because yeah. Even to retell the story, you can't spell it. Yeah. And I totally um, relate to that. It's like we're in um, in the holiday where she asks uh, about the girl's mother, are you divorced? And she spells out divorced. And he says, no, widowed. And he spells out widowed. And I forgot about that bit and I'm, bit, bit, and I'm watching it with the children. And I just went, I don't get that. I'm a window. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
exactly. I'm a window. I'm diversive. Um, yes. So all of that is a problem. Yeah. Spelling out words, letters um, can fuck off. And that song was just not worth the effort for me. Yeah. Every few years, a song that's basically an equivalent of that comes on. And I think they all sort of stem from give peace a chance. It's just things like going, yeah. hey, guys, like, why are you so angry? Just chill out and stuff. Like, hey, yeah. life's just a ride, man. And you're like, oh, just fuck off. You have no just, idea what I'm going through on this day. Yeah. You know? I had to drop a friend that was like that years ago because he was literally the sort of person that if someone stabbed you, he'd instantly say, I mean, fair enough, down the line, when you all go on a journey of forgiveness, I don't think it's fair if you call him a cunt for stabbing you because you don't know what circumstances in his life led to him stabbing you. And now, down the line, maybe discuss this whilst, when my wounds have healed, but not right now. Right now I'm bleeding, I need you to call me an ambulance. And this friend at every turn was always trying to just show what a really good person he was and it was utterly draining yeah because it's not like any of these people aren't also having bad days or getting annoyed at like i don't know a parking meter that won't work or some stupid yeah. like packet they can't open and going, oh for fuck's sake you know and if they yeah. came along if i came along with a ukulele and start going hey guys because <laughs> that's the thing that song is like <laughs> That song sounds like the annoying guy with a ukulele next, you know, who pitches up next to you and you've just got on holiday and you're like, oh, this is nice. And you're like, oh, no, he's playing a redemption song on a ukulele. <laughs> like, that's the song equivalent of that guy because the guy probably is that guy who wrote I it. Like, I like this ukulele idea. It sort of reminds me a bit like when I used to live in Brixton and they, they started to have... Um, classical music at the station apparently that makes crowds disperse mm. or something like that and then if we could just strategically plot ukulele players around certain corners of, of big cities where there's trouble and then that just might def like like no stabbings worth having to hear a bloke play the ukulele like no anger yeah or whatever it is you're annoyed about is gonna be Worth. Or just like a, a white man playing reggae or something like that. Or, you know, just... Yeah. I got on the train once and there was like this young travellery guy. And, you know, I'm saying this as a white man who has been travelling on a gap year, you know, so yeah. <laughs> I'm saying this. But... And it, he started whistling loudly on the tube, which is, you know, obviously live in London. That's a cardinal sin anyway. Like, mm. if you're not just having a quiet conversation with someone, but he's whistling loudly. He's whistling, don't worry, be happy. And mm. it's like... I'm so carefree. Yeah. I'm just whistling this loudly. Like, oh. hey, guys. Oh, you know, I just looked around on the tube and I just thought, oh, why is everyone so bloody miserable? You know, and I'm going to just like inject a bit of sunshine <laughs> into their day. And it's like, we're Fuck not. Off. Yeah, we're not miserable because of our lives. We're miserable because of you doing that now. Yeah, absolutely. And also what made me giggle when you went, um, a white guy playing reggae music. Um, another person that really sort of annoys me and probably ties in with the Catherine the Arai woman. For example, I went to Africa once with this team of people and there was this one woman there in our group that didn't have the time of day for me. Did not, I didn't interest her in any way, didn't have the time of day for me. While we were out one day at dinner, um, she started to really talk to the waiting staff 
who were South Africa, black South Africans, and really talk to them about their culture. And then we met someone else who was from Afghanistan. I really wanted to talk to them about Afghanistan. And I just thought, oh my God, you only have time for people who aren't white (laughs) if they are of a different culture and you can sit and patronize them. But me, you can't connect with because I'm of no use to you. And I've noticed that. I have really noticed that people who won't have a brown friend for real to properly connect with and engage with whatever, but they really enjoy their brown people when they can go, oh, it's it's disgusting what we've done to your culture and your country. I, I, I would like to personally apologize to you. This is what this woman was like. Yeah. And I just thought that so you purport to be interested in other people's cultures, but with the group of people that you're with, you have absolutely no interest because we won't be patronized by you in some way. There you go. I don't know if that puts me in an awful light or them, probably. (laughs) (laughs) No, I get it. I get it completely. Okay. Well, I think it's a strong song choice. And I mean, because it is, it's not just a twee little song. It is loaded with all these other sort of like reference points and things. And that's, I think that's why it's so, um, so annoying. Okay. Well, what would your, uh, what would your film be? Without even having to think about it, Slumdog Millionaire. Okay. That film, I wanted to sue the advertisers. I, right, cast your mind back. The, the, uh, the bus advert for that was full of joy, full of flowers, people in beautiful clothes with their arms in the air dancing, and you can almost hear from the posters and the strap line was the feel-good film of the summer now that autumn of the autumn of that summer so in the early september i had had my first baby i find that the difference between a mum being a mum and not being a mum is that when i had a baby or actually when i became pregnant it was like a plug into the world of all pain. Whereas before I had children, I could I could go, oh, that's just horrific. I can still get on with my life, yeah. <laughs> right? <laughs> um, but being, especially in the early years of my children. Anyway, so I went to see Slumdog Millionaire. That was our first trip out to the cinema post-baby. Feel-good film. And in the first few uh whatever, however long, a child gets held down and blinded. Yeah. And I was utterly destroyed. I was destroyed. I had to leave the cinema. And to this day, I cannot, if I go and watch a film, you know they tell you about the sex and violence. They should tell you if a kid or an animal gets harmed because I can't watch those things. I can't watch a kid get harmed. I left that film M from the... Oh, God, early, early in the century, German film called M. And in the first few scenes, it was clear that this little girl gets kidnapped and murdered. And I I was on a first date with a guy. I got up and I left. Um, I went to see a play where they, um, obviously they didn't do it, but they, they mimed chopping off the fingers of a child. I had to leave. I can't watch stuff like that. But Slumdog Millionaire tricked me into thinking that this was a um 
a feel-good film and a kid gets blinded in it. And being from Iran, I'd already heard stories that my mum told me about how uh, gangs of, of beg- beggars' gangs in, in Iran would deliberately blind children or deliberately maim children in order to make them more valuable to the ringleader of the gang. And it's not a feel-good movie. I'm not saying that people shouldn't make films that involve telling those stories. They probably Mm. should, but not advertise it as a feel-good movie and make me go as my first outing post-baby and have me crying for the rest of the night. So that was really upsetting. Yeah, there's some really fucked up stuff going on. And it's like a sort of a Trojan horse, isn't it? It kind of like... I think probably what happened is they made the film, then they kind of screened it and people went, well, I found that bit a bit shocking. And they were like, <laughs> nobody mentioned this thing. Because I think it was like Rocket Man or something, that, which is basically a musical. Like no one knew, yeah. you know, there was no reference of it being a musical at all anywhere until you go and no. see it and go, this is just a straight up music. It's not just some Elton songs when he's on stage. It's like... It's a music, you know, and it's they must have done it with Slumdog Millionaire. They're like, focus on the confetti and the joy. and Yeah. Oh, you're right about Rocket Man. It is a straight up musical. And things like Saturday Night Fever is like, you think it's going to be all just like disco dancing and fun. It's bleak. A woman gets raped in it. It's really gritty and horrible. Yeah, she gets raped and then she gets slapped for getting raped. It's horrible. <laughs> so do the Bee Gees know about this when they're making <laughs> yeah. that jaunty tune? And also, we watched that when we were kids. It was, it was only when I rewatched it, because that scene where she's attacked, you know, as a child, I didn't really understand what was going on there. Likewise, with Ferri- um, not Ferris Bueller's Day Off, um, Back to the Future, where she's being sexually assaulted in the cab. Yeah. And when you're a kid, it just, you don't really, that sort of passes you by a little bit, or you kind of go, oh, you know what else is um, mismarketed? Tyrannosaur. I went to see the film Tyrannosaur, genuinely thinking it was a dinosaur film. And in the first scene, he kicks his dog to death. Actual harm to animals and children. I just think there should be a warning. Fair enough. I think they're a good choice. And I think the thing about Slumdog, maybe you'd forget after a while, you think, oh, but there are some joyful bits, you know, it's a sort of overcomes all the odds and stuff. And then you'd watch it and because there's nothing else to watch. And you'd be like, oh, God, I, I can't edit this. I have to see it every time. So, And also it would be easier to stomach if the situation had changed much hmm. in, in, in India. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like I yeah. went to... I was in Mumbai um, a few years ago and, uh, you know, I saw, oh, you know, hello, it's still there. It's still there and you still see it and people are still hardened to it. And even as a tourist, you end up getting hardened to it. And that's just so horrific to acknowledge. And uh, yeah, so all of those, all of those sort of films would be my nightmare films to have. But a nice film about um, savage dinosaurs would be very welcome. (laughs) Okay, well, we're almost out of time and I will will sort of save you from um, being angry at any more things after this. But finally, we need to know uh, the island is overrun by the biggest dick of all the animals. Which animal is it and why? Uh, the biggest dick of all animals is, uh, sounds really horrible, uh, and I'm going to get trolled for saying this, but uh, ladybird. A ladybird, I, interesting. Oh, God, they're just 
beetles that fly in your face and in your mouth. <laughs> the amount of times I've had to scrape a ladybird off my tongue when I've been out riding my bike or jogging. <laughs> you know, my daughter will have a cute little ladybird on her hand and go, mummy, mummy, look, and it'll fly in my eye. Um, <laughs> and also that ladybird, ladybird fly away home and her kids are all burnt. I mean, she's a negligent parent she's left her kids in a burning building while she's out partying um ladybirds are undeserving of the uh, status they have in the in the bug showbiz world i think it is just a flash of color isn't it that's that's the the only differentiating thing because if you see like a black beetle the same size you just yeah. it would be like oh what the hell is yeah. this or if or if you see them on their you know when they sort of get up upside down on their back and they're kind of yeah. scrabbling yeah, about they're horrible, they're horrible. yeah the underneath bit you know it's like the underneath of a lobster you're like, what the fucking hell is that thing you know it's, yeah it's very kind of there's too many sections i don't know what it is there's, there's too many sections on the underside you're absolutely right and also it's just um says everything about how shallow we are that if something looks pretty, then we tolerate it, yeah. and we're 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 vile and cruel to the ones who aren't, and we stamp on them and tread on them and treat them like vermin, and that applies to um, living species across the board. And so, I think, in the spirit of body positivity and loving who you are, I think ladybirds can get fucked. Yeah. Fair enough. I agree. By the way, I'm really conscious that I'm wearing a bright, bright red cardigan. <laughs> and and a, spo a spotty top as well. And a spotty top. So, <laughs> again, anything that reminds me of me, I <laughs> don't like. Yeah, fair enough. Well, I think, yeah, anything over, like anything insecty overpopulating the island, I think would be, yeah, very irritating indeed. Shappy, you've done a great job today with populating your island with awful people and things. I think <laughs> um, it's all going to be horrendous. And, uh, you know, I'm just glad that we're, it's, it's only fictional for, for your sake. But uh, but thank you so much for coming on. It's been so much fun. Shappy, where, where's the best place for people to sort of keep up to date with everything you're doing? What are you up to at the moment? Oh, right. So I don't know when this is going out um but december 13th to 23rd i'm at the soho theater doing a show called it was the 90s which is about the 90s and the hedonistic uh, mayhem that we made out of alive some of us and also on tour i'm on tour with that all of next year shappy.co.uk is me lovely brilliant well thank you for coming and sharing your desert island dicks with us today my pleasure. Great pod. See you soon. So there you go. That was the show. Thank you very much for listening. Desert Island Dicks is a sync clap production created by James Deacon, produced and presented by me, Dan Benedictus. Our editor is Chris Attaway. We have social media support from Jason Leach and Chinsey Clinton, not his real name. And as always, a special mention to Grandmamster Flash, our statistician, and the right honourable John Deacon. So um, that's that, really. As I said, if you want to get in touch about anything, especially if you want to give us any submissions for comments, 
compact dicks, then you can go to dickspod.com slash contact and uh, we could read out your submissions next week. We'll be back again in a week's time with another release with another very special guest who I'm excited to share with you. But, you know, the easiest way to make sure you get every episode is, of course, to subscribe. And while you're subscribing, if you want to leave us a rating and a review, that is always very much appreciated. It really helps us a lot. So if you could do that, that would be wonderful. And we'll be back again soon. Thank you for listening. Bye-bye.